0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Every Other Movie Podcast Out There. Each week on the show, we watch a different movie. doesn't matter what genre it is. We've never, ever stuck to a format before. And we talk all about it. My name is Billy Schultz. Uh, I, of course, am your long, long-time host. And uh, I'm joined by my two friends, mm. Luke and Alex. Now, Luke, you've uh, you've got an interesting direction for us this week uh, with the movie pick. yes. But first, check in. How are you doing, sir? How are you how are you doing today?
1: Hey, you know what? I got to say, Billy, there's no awareness like self-awareness, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty good. You know, Mother's Day today. It's a beautiful mm-hmm, day mm-hmm. outside, and May is tied as my favorite month with September, so enjoying. And it's like, honestly, it's like summer temperatures, like 30 degrees this week, so. Oh, yeah. It's, hot. it's I love when you get this kind of weird juxtaposition between different types of seasons. So like we have summer temperatures, but all the trees are blooming and the flowers are out. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is weird. <laughs> Nothing's withered <laughs> and dead, but it's this hot out.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So For sure. That's good. Well. It's great to see you. It is also very very summery here in Montreal where I am recording. Uh, I don't know if you can see, it. people can't see this because it's not visual. But I we we put in our portable air conditioner unit already because our apartment was thirty three degrees inside on mm. Friday, it's and pretty warm. um, it's it's so hot and like you know being up on the ninth floor, it's real hot and the heat does not dissipate very well. So you know we got got the AC and and it's brought it down a little bit. So I don't know how long I can stay in this room before it. <laughs> I have to take a break to cool down, but uh, I'm doing well. I'm finally through school. Yes, Mother's Day I've, uh, is is today, and uh, actually, this episode is going to come out tomorrow. So, happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Is there no and, intro yeah.
2: for a previous episode? This is no, it. There's-
0: this is it. This is the whole uh, shebang. I, I, I don't have time to, to edit it all in together because we got no backlog. But that voice, that voice you're hearing, Alex Wan. Alex, how are you doing today? How is Alberta? You smoked out yet? What's going on?
2: Yeah, apparently there's a ton of wildfires and there's a... a prov- is it is it a provincial emergency? I don't know. Someone, that lady called it an emergency. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that lady. That lady. God. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice here. Sucks for the wildfire evacuees Mm -hmm. but it's really lovely in calgary right now yeah i guess summer came a little bit early because this usually doesn't start till like june july Mm -hmm. but it started like first week of may which is unfortunate but i guess uh climate change am i right is that a hot topic (laughs) issue so to speak (laughs) Uh, how about that how about that climate change oh boy i i remember when i was little the like it
0: there's a good chance it could have a snowstorm before victoria day in may like no, I'm I'm like, still banking on that. Still snowing, like, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, like we don't we don't change <laughs> our so winter happen. tires until until Victoria Day, or uh, as the <laughs> as the East Coasters call it, uh, May two four. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, it's been really nice. Had a nice break and enjoying the weather, going outside a lot. Awesome, awesome. sports, you know that, that kind of
0: thing. Enjoy it while you can. Yes, it, we love a bit of summer time but uh, we are all indoors right now and we're going to talk about a movie now uh, of course this is nothing to fear a weekly horror movie podcast we are currently working our way through the top five most common phobias uh luke it was your pick today Mm -hmm. so uh what have you got and what what was the phobia that you uh you did the movie on
1: well i feel like at this point you have to know that (laughs) um (laughs) alzheimer's (laughs) the phobia was snakes the Slithering Reptile and the movie I chose is from twenty fourteen called The Taking of Deborah Logan. And it's a found footage film. Rare as, for us. as is my want <laughs> when I can. <laughs> I still I I know that that style of horror film is tired and outside of its it's kind of worn out its welcome in the culture overall, but I still have a very soft spot for the found footage because I think it it reminds me a lot of early twenty tens which was a really fun time of my life. That was my South Korea days. And I watched a lot of those movies in Korea. And I had a- Did you watch them in Korean? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) I, you know, 2010 to 2015 was a very kind of like opening up era of my life- being out in the world post university and meeting people from all over and really digging my teeth into books and film in a way that I had not really done before. It was the the blossoming of my more reflective literary presence, I suppose. So I have a I, I associate found footage with that. Which I think is mm-hmm. part of the reason I like them more than they deserve. <laughs> right. So,
0: so twenty, so twenty fifteen. You know, twenty ten, twenty fifteen. You're opening up your literary, your worldly. Yes. Twenty sixteen, you meet Alex and I, and it all just shuts right back down. Well, then right? I yeah. then I was just
1: <laughs> able to brag about all of it. <laughs>
3: there
1: you go. Uh, so yeah, this was film... it. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, that's I when so, I moved. Yeah. January twenty sixteen, right? That's when yeah, I moved yeah. back mm. to to. Calgary yeah so Mm, anyway this film follows a woman who is probably in her late 60s or 70s and she's suffering from Alzheimer's so it starts out seeming like a mental health film maybe something Mm -hmm. like The Visit that we did and then it turns into a more kind of supernatural snake demon movie with a pretty unforgettable climactic scene and i mm-hmm. pick i fundamentally picked this movie when you said snakes was one of the phobia just for that one like i didn't remember really anything about this movie except that scene at the end that scene at the end in the caves yeah, yeah. yeah. it's
0: it sticks with you yeah, yeah sure, sure. Totally. Oh, so you, I, you have
1: seen it before yeah i saw it one time like when it came out around 2014 2015 so it'd been a while mm-hmm. i didn't remember i mean it all comes back to you when you watch it but i didn't remember it before. So, while well, I was like, well, it fits the theme. It's it's more of a horror movie than copycat is. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, well, it, it fits all the it fits all the parameters and I I really and honestly, this is the biggest reason. I really didn't want to have to watch Anaconda. I just <laughs> did not want to. So, what about snakes I on a plane? Picked this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have preferred that over Anaconda, but of of all of the snake movies, I was like no. I'm not gonna let any of these. I'm not gonna let these two fuckers pick Anaconda. So <laughs> <laughs> ah, how well you know me. <laughs> so I picked the taking of Deborah Logan and um, the taking yeah. of Deborah Logan. Good so, call. I'll play Billy for a moment. Billy, had you known anything about this movie before you watched it?
0: I had because of you know doing this this podcast and sort of being around horror social media. Well, I had not seen this movie. That uh, there's a screenshot that goes around of the the sort of final climax of and spoilers for the taking of Deborah Logan when she's like fully snake possessed and trying to eat that child hole. <laughs> That has cropped up a few times, and I was just like, oh, damn, that's really... It's very evocative imagery. It's all blurry and night vision-y and spooky, and it's in a cave. But other than that, I didn't know anything else about it except for the fact that it was found footage. So I was ready for all the bits and bobs and the setting up of the universe of like, oh, why do we have the cameras all over the house? Well, because blah, blah, blah. There's a, a flimsy premise to get the found footage part into the world, and I was not prepared for the twists and turns it took uh on more of a personal note there is I'll get into it a little bit more after but like Alzheimer's is something that has like affected the lives of myself and my family mm. my grandmother currently is still around but she's fundamentally a different person because of this disease mm-hmm. and so the the even though the snake demon possession is the thrust and the scare of this movie the first half of this movie was more affecting yeah totally than on an emotional level then yeah, yeah, yeah you know when it becomes into like <laughs> possessive of snake demons it's like oh shit okay i gotta really i should call my mom and like see how she's doing
1: yeah totally
0: but uh now if you'll let me play billy for a second oh, alex uh what did you know about the taking of deborah logan
2: well a uh, happy mother's Day. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that was an accident. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I've seen the poster before, like the the mm. movie poster. It's like even though I I I've I probably saw the trailer when it came out and might have seen a couple screenshots from the movie. I don't know, don't remember yeah. anything. Like the poster itself is really memorable to me for some reason, just because I always thought she was bald. I was surprised when she wasn't bald in this movie, and then I took a closer look at the the movie poster i was like okay no the hair is just you know slicked back and so super tight back yeah yeah thin. and like um there's a lot of there's a lot of five head there <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's probably where i got the bald from but no there was no yeah. baldness but yeah that's that's pretty much all i knew about this movie so i didn't know anything about the snakes i didn't know anything about the alzheimer's i didn't know anything about the found footage all i knew it was what i thought was a bald woman who was probably the scariest possessed. thing of all yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so speaking of that, that bald woman, that actress, and we'll we'll get into the movie. Uh, it's a bit of a different format. I don't have time for movie news or anything, but we'll, we'll jump right in. Um, <laughs> no time. But there's before no time. We go, <laughs> there's no time for me to do it, even to explain <laughs> this, but this is for both of you. Uh, Jill Larson plays Deborah Logan in this movie. Did you recognize her from any other film uh, lately? I know that Luke, you're a big film trivia guy, I will... so maybe you'll get this one. Alex, maybe you'll get this one too. I
1: will when you tell me. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm honestly, I am honestly surprised that you uh, didn't recognize her. Okay, give me a hint. Give me a hint. Okay, uh, she was in a movie with Mark Ruffalo. Um, and recently? A, no, no, not this. Re- it was before the Taking of Deborah Logan, oh. I believe. Yeah. Mark let me just Ruffalo. let me just fact check
1: that one. Mark oh, Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Oh, yeah. I
2: mean... oh, okay. She was uh, she was in Shutter
1: Island. That's right, Alex. You've got ah, totally. it. Totally, <laughs> I totally see it now. Yeah, was she the? She was the. Um, yeah, she's the yep. spooky
0: shushing lady in Shadow
1: totally. Island. That is that yeah. is a great trivia, Billy. That <laughs> is a great trivia. Uh, That's not
2: the most famous thing she's in, though, is it? I think it might be. I was what looking she, through what her she IMDb. For? Uh, Jill Larson is the actress. Jill Larson. She is best known for her role as Opal Courtland in the daytime soap opera All My Children from '89 to yep. 2011. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she's a soap star. Obviously, nice. I, I was expecting you to get that one, but mm-hmm. no. No, well, I I don't watch soaps. So, so that's the yeah. news
1: about soap, or as you might call it, the soap dish. <laughs>
0: hey. Oh, my goodness. I know our, this is not the subject to cheer section, but it's so rarely that I can feed you a little trivia nugget that yeah. you uh, haven't experienced, Luke. Especially movie trivia, yeah, and especially Shutter Island movie that's, trivia. That, Ooh, that oh, is boy.
1: a good one. That is a good <sighs> one. You know what? And that's... It. That was a good one because you
2: said Mark Ruffalo instead of uh, Leo. To me, right.
1: to me, the hint is that's a Leo movie. But yeah, no, that's also a Mark Ruffalo mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I I figured if I had gone Leonardo DiCaprio, you would have like intuited it quicker. But you got to go another yeah, no, layer no, no. with with Luke Mason here.
1: <laughs> to me, a good trivia is um, a question about not the most famous part of a famous thing. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
0: That's that's what you got to do. So uh, if you're ever like stuck in a, a round of Actor movie actor where you need uh Jill you need know, a bridge from like <laughs> the Incredibles or, or or the Avengers to Jill Larson. You got uh Mark Ruffalo and Shutter Island in there. Yeah.
2: Fun fact, Shutter Island is uh thirteen years old. Yeah. Uh, this movie is <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's old it's an old movie now. Anyway, let's right. uh <laughs> let's
0: let's do the let's do the trailer. In terms of uh, checking out for uh triggers for does the dog dot com. Obviously always go check that out. Um, I think snakes is one of them. Snakes is one of them. Alzheimer's is a big one, a personal one for me. And there's not too much in the way of
2: like blood. There's, there's it's a kind lot of... of body horror though, I think. In my opinion, a... like a self-inflicted mm. body horror. It's kind of yeah. gross, gross. I was grossed out. There's yeah, some gross
0: like... body horror, some skin peeling, and also like flashing lights and jittery camera stuff. If that's a sensitivity, then, then watch out for that. But uh, Leia, let's, let's go into the trailer, and then uh, we'll hear Alex's world-famous synopsis.
2: 73 apple, take one, mark. The story of Alzheimer's is never about one person. My PhD thief, I'm gonna start again. You wanna keep the house? You need to sacrifice. You talk to me about sacrifice? i to- oh, Hey, <laughs> Hi. Oh! They want to make a movie about this. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, I used to know the name of this bird. I can yeah. spells. I don't know. It's a bird. I, I thought of it like a like bluebird of happiness. We will live and document our subject's physical and mental degradation over the course of two one month
1: periods. We're going to have fun, right?
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, good. I'm not interested in being exploited.
0: Sarah mentioned that Deb's been sleepwalking pretty bad. So let's set up surveillance cams.
3: He really gave us all quite a fright with your late night gardening. This is not normal sleepwalking. You should come see this. It's not good, Doc.
0: Girls were each found with serpentine carvings on their foreheads. Parts of their bodies had been cannibalized and traces of rattlesnake venom were found in their blood.
3: Do you remember a man named Henri de went missing 30 years ago? I tried to wash you in the river, you know. Oh, no look, you become a
1: festering dyke.
0: That woman is crazy.
1: The notion of spiritual parasites does exist.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, over to you the taking of deborah logan <laughs> is a 2014 american found footage supernatural <laughs> horror film which serves as the future film directorial debut of adam robitel who co-wrote the screen screenplay and edited the film with gavin heffernan the film stars jill larson and ramsey and michelle ang set in virginia it tells the story of a documentary crew making a film about alzheimer's patients who uncovers something sinister while documenting a woman who has the disease.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this movie had a budget of $1.5 million. It made $400,000 at the box office, (laughs) so it was not a smash hit, but has stuck around, I think, simply because of the ending. Uh, IMDb gives this one and every other movie it's ever shown me a (laughs) 6.0. (laughs) <laughs> and Rot- rotten tomatoes has a uh, a split there's a 49% audience score but a 91 critic score so kind of take that as it is but uh, I'd love to hear your final or not your final your first thoughts Luke on uh, taking a
1: Deborah Logan I mean as you've alluded to this is kind of two movies in one the first half is a real life horror movie about an actual disease and the second half is a wildly <laughs> wildly ham-fisted reason (laughs) for everything going on in this movie that in probably interestingly has some folklore to it that that the folklore itself would be interesting to know about but it just feels like it shopped part of it part of me feels like okay this movie didn't have an ending so what it decided to do is just kind of window (laughs) shop north american folklore to find how to make this a horror movie is this even
2: north american folklore though
1: I think so. I think it was an it's indigenous. It's like North African folk. Nor- oh, was it? Oh, I was under we, the impression we... it was an indigenous tribe from.
0: We oh, can yeah. dig into that because I had a I had kind of a problem with sort of like a pan indigenous like yeah. folklore <laughs> myth that they kind of <laughs> yeah. spread around. We'll talk about it. We got a we got a real classic, nothing to fear, Professor Professorson moment in this
1: movie. Oh my okay. god! Um, right. So, <laughs> but um, anyway,
0: well, yeah, we'll get that.
1: I th- I would say that the movie itself is fine. Like It's a slightly above average movie. I think 6.0 is a totally accurate score out of 10. Mm -hmm. Not to give away my rating, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But what I like about fiction is that it can often evoke thoughts or ideas that are well beyond the scope of what the fiction itself did. So to me, the um, portrayal of Alzheimer's in this film And what it does to the people, even though it's all heightened and exaggerated and dramatized because it's a movie, really made me think about mental illness and um, Mm -hmm. the history of it, especially tied into Supernatural, because a lot of the history of mental illness was attributing demons or possession to people who did suffer from mental illness in the past when human beings had no idea what it was, right? So like, there's actually even stories in the Bible of... People who are clearly mentally ill, being demon possessed, right? Like that. Like, and never, never even mind just mental illness. Like epilepsy, like seizures, were demon possession. So to me, a movie like this, though it's not intending to, makes me think about like the genesis, uh, to borrow a term, (laughs) the genesis of how human beings have attributed immaterial things to the world. You know, what a revelation. Yeah. And uh, exactly. And so, you know, I I I think that that shit is fascinating how you meet someone with Alzheimer's who is a completely different person than they've been their whole life. And you don't know anything about neurons or the brain. So of course you attribute it to something metaphysical out there that is malevolent, you know. Right. And that um that element of this film, I think, is really interesting and worth talking about. But it's not really about this movie, you know. And then the kind of snake stuff, the first time I saw this, the snake stuff totally took me off guard. I did not see that coming. I mean, you, mm-hmm. I should have because it's earlier in the movie, you see some snake stuff. And honestly, I, the, the ending climactic scene is kind of amazing. I, I think it's one of the greatest shock visuals we've ever done on this podcast. And this time around, I wasn't Shocked by it because I knew it was coming. To the, I, I I can distinctly remember the first time I watched this movie, seeing that scene, being like, mm-hmm. "What the fuck?" You know, like it it <laughs> stuck yeah. out to me in a way that a lot of other movies don't. So mm-hmm. I I will say at least that cinematically is pretty amazing. Yeah, and it
0: seemed like for for having such a teeny tiny budget, that effect at the very end, with you know, she's devouring the child, and then there's a scene where she does like a big predator mouth and her jaws all expanding. Uh, it's it, really well done for the budget mm. they had. I've seen worse effects in movies with much, much larger yeah, budgets. Totally. And it's, so like, it's a, a hats off to the visual effects artist for, for but making it effective.
1: Just like everything else in the movie, the acting, the writing, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's Nothing fine. great. It's fine. Totally I fine. did like, I do, I will say this. I liked that one guy just left. I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Finally. Yes. <laughs> Fucking finally, someone makes a decision that is reflective of real life.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't care what your project is. This is too much for me. About uh, we're jumping all over the place. I want to hear, Alex. Uh, how did you uh, like this movie when you finally
2: saw it after all the hype? <laughs> yeah, all the hype. <laughs> all the hype. Uh, yeah, I think it was it was fine. Like there was nothing incredible about it, but it wasn't like I didn't dislike it. I think very much agree that this was two movies and i think emotionally the first half of it hits really hard actually when you see because it's it's not just the person that's suffering from alzheimer's it's you know the caretakers and the people around them that Mm, also suffer yeah i think that like that kind of emotional piece was something that i didn't expect to see in a found footage horror movie with a budget of one million dollars right (laughs) absolutely yeah but you know, as as you get older, there's there's going to be more people that you know that suffer from diseases or get sick and, and, and die. And I think this movie was like a kind of a reflection on how if I were to watch this as a kid, I wouldn't think too much about it. But like now watching it much older, I see the effects that something like Alzheimer's has on an entire family and mm-hmm. how difficult it really is on not just the sick part of it, but everything else in their life, right? everything else in their life is made so much more difficult what something as simple as just cooking right so yeah the the first half of this movie was really quite emotional for me and it just so happens that it's <laughs> it's mother's day so and you can kind of see it's it's really heartbreaking really just mm-hmm. seeing sarah have to have to deal with her mom suffering from alzheimer's and what she's going through and and reflecting on her upbringing and 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 then where she is now, and clearly she very much cares about her mom and wants to take care of her, but it's it's like, what can, what can you do, right? There's mm-hmm. really... Yeah, it's it, really tough. It, it's a feeling of <laughs> hopelessness, right? Mm-hmm. There's like no medicine, there's no cure, you're just watching the person that you love just slowly become... Someone else. Someone yeah. else, and then eventually just lose all functions and die. And yeah, it's really, really, really sad, actually.
1: It's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the true horror all along
2: yeah so I actually thought the first first part of this movie was really really well done in kind of capture capt- capturing those kinds of emotions and um just human fra- fragility fragility you got it Nailed yeah it. there we go yeah and then the other end of it the horror part with um you know the snakes and the the ritual and the backstory the professor <laughs> professor sin um it was okay it was it was a way to make this a horror movie mm-hmm yeah and it was fine and then yeah right up at the end the very like the climax that was when it was like okay i guess the build-up to it was kind of worth it um, but everything else was kind of like whatever it could have been really anything
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: it kind of felt like you're watching a movie on tv and you change the channel halfway through and it just happened to have all the same actors in it and you're yeah it's like oh it's a horror oh this is a different movie with the same cast yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Because the pl- the plot, just as an interjection, like the plot is so ham-fisted. I know that that's a buzzword or a cliche to say about something, but it's just everything needed to happen the way it did to be like, yeah, we got a fucking snake demon going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, okay, and- <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I made a mistake
2: um, when I was watching the movie. I thought it was a Moroccan, but no, it's a Monican. Mm. So yes, you yeah. are right. It is a North American <laughs> folklore, not yes. North African. There <laughs> was a like, missing
1: R. There's a few times in this movie where Deborah Logan goes uh, uh, goes to eleven on crazy, <laughs> in like her both behavior and apparently like abilities, and mm-hmm. you're just like, this is not fucking Alzheimer's. <laughs> this- yeah, this, is, this is something this, else this is something else but then the whole movie's like well yeah sometimes patients do this and Some then but then sometimes it's like crazy is not alzheimer's it's just like yeah. fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: yeah so uh no absolutely this this movie was kind of all over the place and it i think it really does serve to be the first half is its own thing and the second half is its own thing and they found connective tissue which is we can get into that a little bit it's later scaly. on.
1: The connective tissues a oh. bit scaly. Yeah, it's
0: a little <laughs> bit serpentine in its logic. We'll yes. say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good one, Billy. Thanks, Luke. But yeah, this like the the whole Alzheimer's project, the the whole premises for this found footage thing is these uh, PhD students or this PhD student by the name uh, Mia is uh, the character. She is doing a documentary on how the disease of Alzheimer's progresses in somebody. And so they've been looking around, they find somebody they've obviously got a ton of money behind it, which I have talked to some people who are doing their doctoral Mm. theses. And uh, let me tell you, they don't have a lot of cash to splash around, but apparently they're offering up this like amount of money that would not only keep Deborah in her house that she's had forever, but also like save it from being seized by the bank or something. So it's like, okay, there's like this reason that they're, allowing this very private struggle to be filmed for science and you know they're getting something
2: from it, it too so is it a thing where like a i don't know i assume this is a thesis project can you make a documentary film as a thesis project is that a thing I guess it depends on your thesis supervisor <laughs> but yeah okay.
0: usually it's like really so long you can tell that this was a, in 2014
2: because if this was set in 2023 it'd be like hey can i do a podcast for my thesis mm-hmm. project <laughs> absolutely or more like we'll do i already a...
1: have five podcasts which one of them can be my thesis project? <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so like that that whole premise was interesting and just watching kind of the the way that joe larson acts this this disease and these symptoms it was really affecting because i've you know i've, I've seen some of that in my own personal life and even like myself i had times where i was like there's times when i just straight up forget what word I'm trying to use in a sentence. And I know that there's a history in my family. So I was like, mm, do I need to get like, <laughs> do I need to check myself out? Like it just, it brought up a whole bunch of emotions around like family history of Alzheimer's and whether or not that's going to be something that happens to me later, or that's going to happen to like my family members later. And so I was just like, I was just a bit sad going into it. And then when she starts climbing out of bed at all hours and going on the phone thing and all the the demon stuff starts happening, I can, I was I could just relax, as it were, because it's like, oh no, okay. Even if Alzheimer's does happen, I don't think there's any like cl- skeletons in the closet where someone's made pacts with the devil over the uh the public phone service. That <laughs> it's a very uh, very unique set of circumstances to allow this.
1: Do you know any do you know any French pediatricians is the question, Billy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> French Canadian pediatricians yeah, uh, <laughs> oh boy, oh, boy. Uh, so yeah, this movie was was very affecting the, the The scare at the end was pretty good, and then it felt like they needed to wrap it up in a certain way, but leave the door open, I guess for a sequel. So we have that end where the the little girl who is taken by Deborah Logan is all better. And there's a footage of her birthday party. It's like this terminal cancer patient that's miraculously recovered. And oh, maybe that's got the snake demon in her now. And what's um, still going?
1: This is a this is going to be bad podcasting. But what's the movie? There's a famous movie where the end of the movie is just <laughs> like a villain character who is now wasn't the villain before, but is now is just staring at the camera. And it was just it reminded mm-hmm. me of that movie so much, and I can't remember what movie it is.
2: Psycho. Norman Bates.
1: Okay, um say
2: say the exact same Maybe. thing again.
1: It, uh, no it is. I think it is Psycho. I think it is Psycho. psycho. Okay. It reminded me of that. Like just yeah, like Norman Bates. Okay. Cuz like isn't the end of Psycho he's just kind of staring at the camera? Yeah. Maybe it's not the end of the movie, but you know, there's a very famous scene of the machinations inside of the head are revealed to be mm-hmm. different than what we have experienced thus far in the film. Sure. And I I think that's probably what they were going for with the way that that girl was looking at the camera at the end of the movie.
0: Right. And this is a movie that came out way later than Deborah Logan, but, you know, we had that very long extended freeze frame shot of Pearl at the end of Pearl. Right. But I don't yeah. know if that that wasn't that didn't look like she was planning something. She was just like mm-hmm. manic. But also
1: um, Pearl had been like the villain throughout the whole film. That's right. True, yeah. It wasn't yeah. like a revelation that. But it's, yeah, you know, cause I, it's like the end of Deborah Logan. It's supposed to be like, well, this girl is possessed now. So she's actually the bad guy. Yeah, she's a bad guy
2: now. Watch out for her. I mean, there's like, it's just a horror movie trope, right? Totally, totally. Where the final shot is a shot of someone who is supposed to be a protagonist or innocent, and then they look at the camera and smile or do something sinister.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did that happen
2: in sinister? I don't know.
1: I mean, I I guess, like, what could be more tropey than um, paying homage to, like, one of the most famous movies ever?
2: (laughs) Right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Fair enough.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: at the end of uh
2: It Follows, we have like a vague ending of someone maybe following them, right? Right, yeah.
0: Where it's like it's like the movie's over, but the trial. The story might go
1: on. The
0: story may go on. They kind of do that in I don't know we never talked about it on the podcast, but uh in Smile it kind of has that mm, ending where yeah. it, it could be.
1: Oh yeah. Definitely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. Um Jill Larson, let's talk about her. Let's talk about her performance as the Deborah Logan. I thought she did a great job. I thought she was very effective. She's got a a very like and she could play the like sweet, happy, all together Deborah Logan just as well as she could play creepy, spooky, filthy mm-hmm. nightgown walking around in a cave Deborah Logan. It was a remarkable transformation even mm-hmm. without the visual effects that that she
2: underwent. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think she did great. Her, her acting was was great i think it was like just the first half of it when she's portraying someone who has alzheimer's just like the kind of pauses the the, the not movement like the like looking away from the camera and not moving all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. not making eye contact yeah the facial expressions the the way she spoke it was all very i don't know if i want to use the word thoughtful but it did feel thoughtful mm-hmm. do you know what i mean in in, in portraying it wasn't it didn't feel very tropey, You know, it's like, oh, hey, Jill Larson, you're going to play someone who has Alzheimer's. And you have every single kind of, you know, thing that you look up in the first two articles on Google, right? Yeah, it wasn't
0: like a joke, like the jokey way people say Alzheimer's were like, oh, you can introduce yourself every day. Ha ha ha. Like those types of jokes.
2: Yeah. Or like, ha ha, you actually spread a bar of soap on your toast, you know, stuff like that. When you looked at her, there was kind of like the. I don't know. it It seemed like. There was something going on in the brain that she was acting mm-hmm. like that. That was really well acted is what I'm trying to say. It
0: seemed to me like she either really did her research well on Alzheimer's or had firsthand experience with a like a person close to her to tap into that. Like it mm-hmm. felt like you're right. She didn't just Google how to act like I have Alzheimer's and just read whatever the first page was. She it felt like she tapped into something that was more experiential. And she used that on screen because there was times where I was like, oh, no, and, and the helplessness that all the people around her uh, would have feel, felt from her daughter, Sarah, uh, you know, especially being like, oh, mom, don't you remember this memory or something? And it's just like, I've, I've been in that situation where you're like, no, please just remember the thing that did happen, because then it means you're okay a little bit longer. And it's so like, so hard to sit there and experience somebody having a memory lapse and wanting to help them jog their memory but knowing that it's impossible but still trying anyway so it just felt like they really really th- thread that needle very finely yeah to get you to care about it
1: yeah yeah i mean it literally is not like a textbook portrayal of alzheimer's it's like embodied the best acting i thought was like the facial expressions and the kind of pauses mm-hmm. and the arm movements and the like the trailing off of a thought life is in the details and the details of this were really uh, emotive and evocative, I think, which is um, again, I think it's why this movie deserves some credit in making me think of the deeper themes it was having, because a lot of the time it, you know, like basically every other character is like a cookie cutter Mm -hmm. overacting, you know, like I, I, this is one of the uh, bugaboos of, Found footage is that, you know, the conceit is that it's real people knowing they're on camera. And so they're mm-hmm. like overacting because you know that there is a human tendency to exaggerate or over dramatize if you know that there's going to be a reflective audience. But right, unfortunately, it can be very grating, and you can over overact, if you will, in these movies. yeah, and it, and so the contrast between uh, Jill Larson and everybody else felt really noticeable I guess you know it's like wow everybody else is just yeah blah, 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 blah. and she's like what yeah <laughs> so <laughs> I enough. mean that kind of worked for the movie too um, because it really puts the spotlight on Deborah Logan which is which is cool and then yeah the mental health the mental illness yeah, it's deep you know it's like um I I prefer the movies we do that are in some way reminiscent of some horror of the human condition that's why i like the stephen king movies we do even when i don't like the stephen king movies we do (laughs) because there's (laughs) there's something in the human condition in all of his books Um, absolutely absolutely and that's why i love fiction okay so here's my question so you know
2: how in a lot of a lot of the movies we do we go oh the uh the horror was you know a metaphor for her depression or whatnot or a bully (laughs) right like in, in Babadook, where it's like, you know, Babadook yeah. could be real, but it it's like, it's very obvious, like grief and whatnot. So in this one, so do you think Deborah Logan had Alzheimer's? And then the snake demon, because it was implied that like, you know, the snake demon took over because she's like old and feeble, and it, mm-hmm. it became more than that. Or was it like, just snake demon, bam. And then snake demon is what made her have all, mm. alzheimer's like and yeah but like it, it was just an it is it was interesting just because like it was whether or not it goes either way it was just like a lot of the horror movies we do it's like oh this is like a mental like this movie like it's a uh, the horror is the mental health blah, blah, blah or uh it's a uh, it's a metaphor for it but this one it was like no there there is mental health on top of another horror
0: Yeah, so you're asking like is the horror that she had Alzheimer's, and so was weak enough to be possessed by the spirit. Or was she fine? Got possessed by a spirit, and all the possession symptoms matched one to one to Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the first one because I think in the movie they mention that she's got Alzheimer's, so she's a weaker vessel, whatever, for this demon. And they mess. They mentioned that the doctor who was originally at it, he had Lou Gehrig's disease. And so mm-hmm. he was also weak, and so the I guess the demon could possess him. And then at the end with the little girl who has leukemia, you know, she's possessed and she's recovered. So it it feels like this demon or this entity or whatever goes after people who have a terminal illness and don't have the, I guess, spiritual or <laughs> physical de-
1: Defenses. Yeah. Two points from the movie that I think augment that, Billy, is that there are a lot of scenes in the first half of the movie where Deborah Logan isn't her violent, possessed self and is still kind of forgetting things or still kind of not on top of the moment. She, I can't remember any exact detail, but I just like, you know, she forgets where she left something or is using the wrong tool or something like that.
0: She, she's looking at the staircase and there's the painting with the bird and she's like, ah, this is a, I don't remember what bird this yeah, is. Or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: and since later in the movie, we learned that her outbursts are actually not Alzheimer's. It's a snake demon. <laughs> I think that's a good clue that she had it before. And then also, and, and this is probably again, probably more vitality in the actual folk- folklore itself. That uh, was not well, uh, explicated in this film <laughs> mm. in, in that I think they talked about how in the rituals for the Monicans, is am I saying that right? I think that's the, the name of the tribe, right? Yeah. They were, the, the rituals were done on people who were sick. Right? So there was the, the people who were already infirm were the ones that got the snake ritual done to them. I believe that was a line right. from Professor Professorson.
2: You needed five people that just had their period. Was that it? Yeah. yeah first was, first to period, sacrifice, of course. There's sure. also
1: that. Yeah, well I mean that's yeah. uh you know, that's religious ritual one oh one. Why didn't you just go to uh, you know,
2: northern, I don't know, Sweden yeah. and go to Midsummer.
1: I don't know. <laughs> right. And <laughs> well honestly, that's probably a more there's probably more fidelity to that interpretation to what the kind of evolution of interpreting mental illness has been in human life, you know, like um right. when you're sick, you don't you don't really you don't necessarily attribute some sort of possession until you see aberrations in behavior.
0: Right. I think also the Professor Professor Sin in this movie mentions the concept of a spiritual parasite that can sort of be infecting you. And so sure, and they, they ha- he has that story of the the Bantu tribes of Africa where the mother is in such. Grief at the loss of a child. there's A lot of a lot of pictures they show of like this like, woman in the most agony I've ever seen in my life. And he's just like, so that's probably what it is. It's just you you're so grieving that uh, your body is completely taken over by a spirit. And I was like, I don't know. That just sounds like someone being in grief and <laughs> needing to work through. It. Like they're not never possessed. never
1: mind the question that didn't get asked by anyone in this movie, which is like, well, what does the Bantu tribe have to do with the Monacan tribe? <laughs> they're like oh my on God, different I- continents.
0: <laughs> God damn! I asked that question too. I was like, "What the? F- are they fucking like?" Oh, sure. This is a North American indigenous tribe yeah. that has these roots in this ritual. What do these anyway? Here's the thing in
1: Africa. What do these two tribes have in what? common? Well, they're definitely not white middle-aged professors. Yeah. So
2: they're the same. They both have humans in them, I guess.
0: Yeah. God, I was just like, "Oh, come on!" This is—they're yeah. not just doing this. Like, oh, every indigenous culture is. Got spooky rituals, so they all must be like translatable. (sighs) It was so
1: (laughs) lazy. It's so lazy because this shit is so interesting. You know, like, honestly, to weave in a folklore ritual of a group, uh, a culture that you don't know about is kind of how you develop empathy. Like, I know that that's like a Mm -hmm. kind of cheesy way of saying it for this type of movie. You know, the the most robust example I can think of is like Dickens' novels humanized the lower class for the aristocracy in England. And that doesn't mean it changed overnight, but it meant like, oh, there's people completely different from me going through things. You know? And so when you are going to portray an erstwhile different culture from your own, like, do your fucking homework. (laughs) You know, like, don't just, it's just so tokenistic. It was so. And I'm not usually too. I don't know how to pronounce peaked by um, inclusion of things like just, you got to do it well, you know? Yeah. It's one thing. It's one thing to be lazy. It's another thing to be lazy of like tokenism. You know, it is. I, I, I didn't like that in this movie.
0: Yeah. And just the way that professor said it was it had the vibe of like a 19 year old who went to Barcelona for a semester. Right, right. And, you know, he was like, I spent some time with the Bantu tribes of Africa. Good for you, buddy. We're talking about something on North America. Like it's a different thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was I had that flagged later to be just like, OK, they really just they needed to find some reason for snake to burning ritual,
1: whatever. It's not an exoneration of this film, but like this is just what these movies did back, which 2014 is now back in the day. Like, there's I I I like to think that this kind of portrayal, it, it just it, you can totally put whatever you want in your movie. I've I've said this a million times. I'm a when it comes to fiction, I'm basically a libertarian. Like, it, you're not gonna you're not put whatever you want in your movie. My criteria is like do it well, <laughs> you know, like. And it's just so clearly lazy. So like the first order of like lazy writing, ham fisting in a plot point. And then once that happens, you have the secondary problem of it being like, well, it's lazy about something that has a kind of stinky cologne around its history. You know, of, mm-hmm. what would you say? Like kind of- a, a,
0: Appropriation.
1: A, yeah, not it's more like a chauvinism. You know, like a kind sure. of, we are the dominant- um,
0: yeah, we're civilized and they're savages. Yeah. We're
1: the dominant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like and it, it, the movie itself doesn't quite stoop to that level, certainly not in the language, I would say, but it's reminiscent. When, when it's like that thing, like it, it's it's so lazy that you can't help but feel there's that kind of attitude towards it. It's like, well, would you mm-hmm. have would you have been this? Maybe, maybe this movie would have been this laxadaisical if they were talking about the Vikings or sure a celtic druid maybe right and so like i don't want to necessarily attribute a kind of racial element to it either but it's just it doesn't it's not a good look <laughs> it's just it,
0: it, yeah you don't it, you want to believe with the best intent that they didn't mean it but if you as soon as you're starting to like introduce indigenous groups into your mm-hmm. movie and you don't treat it with like a hundred percent care and attention it does not the impact is way different than your intent whatever your intent is right so
1: it it just would have been nice, you know, were I making this movie? <laughs> it would have been it's, nice maybe to weave in a character early in the film who had some knowledge about this. And so it was like more organic throughout the film of um, the folklore and the history of it, mm-hmm. as opposed to just a purely academic um, whitewashing of it.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe this film would have been a little bit more thoughtful if it was just a good old classic demon possession Mm -hmm. that needed a christian exorcism
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
2: you know no no other culture folklore needed just give me some holy water and a cross and a bible and we're good to go good to go
0: But it would be, it would kind of, like, the analogous to a Western religion would have been, like, if they found this Christian demon and they were, like, you know what this demon needs? The Torah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And, again, like, I, my temperament is that, like, I think any group of person making a movie can include a story of any other group of people, but don't be lazy about it. And if you are lazy about it, it has that secondary effect of feeling, like... Tokenism,
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So that's yeah, my PSA to all would-be <laughs> writers out there.
0: No, I agree. It's and it's <laughs> a, a messy thing, and I hope that we've done better in the la- intervening ten years. To yeah, I mean, uh, spend you watched, more time on you it.
1: You watch that now, and you're like, there's just no way this plot point would be in a movie made today. It just wouldn't yeah, happen. Or you hope not, anyway. Yeah. Well, I um, I, I, I don't think a I wanna... studio would bite the bullet on it. You know. Anyway. Sure, sure, sure.
0: To circle back to the uh, relationship with with Sarah, the the daughter of Deborah Logan, I I want to just make mention that uh, I thought her performance was not as good as Jill Larson's, uh, I I think definitely, but I could really feel the relationship (laughs) between them. Where she's got this resentment for her mom for sending her away to boarding school right around the time she was, like, prepubescent. We learned this very early on that, like, when she was 10 to when she was 16 or whatever, she had to go to a boarding school. Mm -hmm. And this woman attributes the fact that she's gay, right? She's... A queer character she's dressed like lesbian laura dern the whole time the most <laughs> amount of fully buttoned up flannel shirts i was like that's a lesbian uniform 100 percent. and we get explicitly you know she's got a girlfriend she's like moving here we we understand or i read that she didn't feel comfortable bringing her partner here because her mom was old-fashioned and it's mm-hmm. always like why don't you dress more ladylike and oh you're you're why don't you go spend some time with your friend your lady friend and it's like she's you know
1: well, and she's insisting that the male and female video documentary makers sleep in different rooms that kind of thing
0: right she's she's very old fashioned she's very like know well, boys and girls don't like mix and don't don't sleep together and blah 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 right so mm-hmm. i i I felt that this this resentment and this like still love for her mother, but like wanting to care for her but not being able to be herself was was really well done and then you find out that the actual reason for her being sent away. To boarding school was because she was supposed to be victim number five, not unlike Mambo number five, uh, but she was (laughs) the trumpet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she was meant to be the trumpet. Uh, She was meant to be the victim. And Deborah Logan has this. I guess, phone record, this phone switchboard where she overheard 100% of this doctor's evil plans. <laughs> it's like, okay, but you got to make a call <laughs> all the time. You can't just like meet people one-on-one. Okay, sure, sure, all right.
2: <laughs> what happened to a good, old, good old-fashioned passing a note? You know what? Right? Or, like like smoke know what? Here's signals. Here's the thing,
1: and nobody talks about this. It's a shame. Snake demons are not that up on technology. They do not know. So I just think it was a total blind spot. So, what did this
0: doctor do? He calls in, hey, Deborah, can you transfer <laughs> me to my cult members? And she's like, right away, sir, click. You know, just. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's what he had to do it back then. It's straightforward.
2: Okay. Yeah. Here, here's my question. So, yeah. the doctor, Mr. Uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Deharines. Yeah. Oh I don't know if I'm boy. saying right.
0: You are not, but we'll get to it. I got. I just <laughs> finish your point and then I'll, I'll mention Is something. it
2: Desjardins?
0: It's Desjardins. It's Desjardins. Right? It's a hundred percent Desjardins, Kelly. Okay, uh, this is uh, I'm going to derail your point for a second, but Kelly was watching it. She's grown up her whole life in Quebec. Desjardins is a French word. Um, there's a company. That's where I get Desjardins. my insurance from? You get your insurance, and the fact that they called him Desjardins the whole time <laughs> was. <laughs> hey, they're American, so, uh, man. They're American. Uh, she was. She was just like. Sitting and vibrating on the end of the couch, so frustrated at what? it, and it was like they even went and said like he's from Quebec, and so she said it wouldn't be <laughs> Deardine. <laughs> yeah,
2: movie trolling. So de Dan <laughs> de- Danger Dan
0: Danger Dan Danger Dan.
2: Did the snake demon possess Deardan because he had Lou Gehrig's, or was it like? de Hardin had lou gehrig's and he wanted to achieve immortality and beat off his illness beat uh, off his illness yes i did say that um, i'll beat you off
3: any time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no all this venom's coming out um anyways uh, so he was the one that invoked the ritual by capturing and killing these four yes girls and was almost on his way to the fifth before he got killed by deborah logan so, was he the reason the sneak demon came back, or did the snake demon take over him in the first mm. place? I think it's the second one. Like, I think he evoked I think, it. I think he yeah. was trying to evoke this ritual. So, he yeah. was the evil the whole time, and he was trying to get the snake
1: demon, right? Yeah. Well, he was. I think he was built yeah. to desperation in his own mind.
0: Yeah. It was like, yeah, I'm going to die. So, I need to. There's no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease. So, I will. Do anything I can to extend my life, and he found a book that was- And that like, includes what if...
2: murdering five <laughs> young women, right?
0: What if you kill five preteens in their, you know, first time they have their period, and he was like, sounds great, I'm
1: in, like, let's do it. Does it get rid of my disease? <laughs> I know, I yeah. mean, everything in life is a cost.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, real real shit bloke. Uh That's not very a down. theory of uh relativity sound, huh? No. What? No. Theory of relativity I is it that's... relativity or rela, rel, rel, uh, what was it like uh, no what's the relativism thing? Wh- no not relativism was it newton that said uh what goes in must come out yep <laughs> yeah. was that the one like dude
1: which is which is ironic because most historians think he was a virgin his whole life so.
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so apparently one five lives
1: equate one life in in this in this ritual which right. doesn't make oh, sense oh utilitarianism to me but opposite mm. opposite of utilitarianism right. multi-utilitarianism the uh, the most amount of happiness for one person at the expense of right every other person <laughs> yeah
0: like I, I, as long as i'm happy it doesn't yeah. matter what it's going to cost anybody else I, yeah yeah the, th-
1: yeah. the serial I killer ethos the it's the third law it's the third law right i'm actually uh, being serious here what was Newton's every third action law? has an equal and opposite reaction
2: that's the one yeah see so five lives in, one life out? Doesn't make sense to me.
0: It doesn't should be it doesn't one for even... one,
2: right? Yeah.
0: Well, maybe he's got some sort of, this is a horrible thought, maybe he has a weird calculus where he's like, well, they're little and I'm big. Am I times five? Mm. Like, am I five times well, as big as a young woman?
1: I'll, g- I'll <laughs> give ugh, you this, Alex. Thrust. It's definitely a law about thrust. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I had to force that joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I was trying to think the entire time you made you both made Bible book references. I spent the next thirty seconds trying to think of another mm. book chapter of the Bible to shoehorn into our reference. So I'm bringing that back.
2: Too bad Deborah didn't
0: have her own book, right? Mm. Yeah, I was Romans all over the place to try to find someone.
1: Uh, that was a bit Ruth. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, uh, I'm... Paul. sorry. You can gotta you go? take a two minute break.
0: You gotta you gotta sure. do the bathroom. I okay. just really gotta pee. Okay. All right, have a good pee. I'm gonna get a drink of water.
2: Okay. I'm gonna sit here and wait for the two. Alright, we'll be back. <laughs> so
0: I feel like we should talk about the the fan footage of it all because this mm. is a, a well worn genre in the horror movie. Um do you think there was anything remarkable or no. intuitive or different <laughs> from other ones no. we've seen? Alex is no. a fast note.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I think, and maybe this, maybe this will not satiate Alex, even though I think logically it should at least uh, absolve one of the points you often make about this, is that it's stated at the beginning that's intentionally edited, right? So giving it a narrative arc is already part of the story. So again, I don't give a shit about any of that because I kind of just am tipped over to enjoying the novelty of the style. Mm-hmm. I don't need the I don't need the details of the cinematography to add up to for me to enjoy the content of a movie. But this movie at least recognizes that that has been probably a common refrain against found of against found footage. And it you know it, whatever. I mean, it's totally like, do sex mocking a move to say yeah the, this was compiled by an intention documentary that honestly makes it a pretty standard type of found footage film you know (laughs) absolutely
0: the thing that i appreciated the most was when something spooky happened on the tape there was always a scene where they were watching it it wasn't just the paranormal activity where they say you know the ghost attacked me or whatever and they're like Mm -hmm. cool story i don't believe you and then there's never any scene of them reviewing it they always Mm -hmm. like the scene where deborah is standing at the oven and then she jumps like she like the time cuts but the the counter doesn't change so there's not an edit where she's standing on the floor one second and then she's standing on top of the stove the very next second
1: i, I have a I have a point with that too like one of the mm-hmm. things this movie did well or like you know to drop my favorite uh long ass word the verisimilitude you might have between yeah, 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 yeah. found footage and real life is that every, almost every time that a character said something so stupid about what could be happening the guy who ended mm-hmm. up believe was like are you fucking crazy that's, that's there's no chance like somebody was like well there's a chair it's like where's the chair yeah. there's no chair where's there the chair? What, are what are you talking about, about? <laughs> you know yeah. and like further than that how i forget his name but the, the guy the kind of asshole guy when he leaves other than sometimes the the actual camera guy Lu- Luis, i think his name was yeah Luis. i felt like even w- okay this is a more broad point about found footage a lot of times in these movies actually all horror movies a lot of times in these movies A character says something, you know, if we're going to be actually critiquing it would outrage the audience like fuck off character there's no way that you would actually think that in that situation and Mia a lot of the time said stupid things in this movie but every time she mm-hmm. did one of the two guys was like shut up Mia that is so stupid what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah it's like and and you know once you have a mouthpiece for what the audience would feel about something said you you get more leeway with me anyway yeah, you said like, would feel would feel yeah 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 <laughs> would feel oh yeah would feel the, Mason about the story. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean though like in, in comedy absurdist humor works when there's at least one character mm-hmm. who can voice the just be the straight person right not a you know you need a Lisa Simpson in the Simpsons you need Stan and Kyle in South Park you need you need Jim and Pam in the office right who can channel the a- audience's attitude towards what's happening mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. because the <laughs> I and mean, think it was weird because they're kind of assholes but Gavin and Louise yeah like it's like, yeah, this is stupid. Like, oh, well, maybe it's this. It's like that's not like how early does one of them say that's not Alzheimer's? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like
0: it's very very so, soon in. It's like, You're the, you're going to be a doctor of Alzheimer's. You should recognize that that's do, not
1: I do I do think if we were to pick it apart a bit more, we might say that this movie learned some lessons from previous found footage to make it a little bit more in slipstream with what you mm-hmm. might want in a in a found footage. Right. Even though it wasn't novel exactly.
2: Okay, I will say this about the Found Footage movie. Go for it. Yes, they acknowledged that this movie is edited. In this movie's universe, editor, why the fuck (laughs) would you put in scary music when something (laughs) scary happens? (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Mia's like, you know what this
0: needs? This needs some scary-ass fucking music. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm going to get the best grade on my paper or whatever.
2: I was like, that's like in any any found footage movie any found footage movie period like the second you add in like scary music when a jump scare happens or something eerie is about to happen like it mm-hmm. completely just takes me out of that experience and like i'm sure filmmakers have their reason for doing it and you know it adds to the fear factor but it like <laughs> it just ruins the whole found footage purpose for me do you know Mm. what i mean it's supposed to be raw it's supposed to be like very bare bones it's supposed to be you're you're supposed to be scared of the moment not of Mm -hmm. the moment where some guy 30 days later is editing it on his computer do you know what i mean (laughs) absolutely like fuck off
1: movie found footage movie makers alex here's what you haven't thought about even in a phd dissertation you can't sell the alzheimer's slash snake steam snake demon steak you gotta sell the alzheimer's slash snake demon sizzle Oh, you were rehearsing that, weren't you?
3: <laughs>
0: you are trying to get that in, all in the right order.
1: That's a mouthful,
0: huh?
2: Uh, well, as I uh, said, deep feel... throat. <laughs>
1: My, I'll, t- I'll, I'll, play the role of Billy again here. My uh, Discord name is Deep Throat. Uh, for this, yeah, yeah.
2: Deborah Logan was the real throat goat, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> Let's call back. What were we talking about? I just,
0: I just imagine that Mia submits this as her dissertation to her supervisor or whatever. And after, like, you know, it just it cut to a conference room with a TV playing or a computer monitor playing. The guy pauses it and goes, what the fuck have you shown me, Mia? <laughs> this is, what are you doing? <laughs> no, you thought this was okay for
3: school?
2: <laughs> you know what I would have thought this would have been like? This would have been like the, the supervisor's watching this and then pauses it. And it's just like in Arrested Development with the warden, warden. Uh, Gentles. He's like, yeah, we're, he's like, you know what? This could really use some scary music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you punch this up? Can you punch up this, uh,
0: this thing? One other thing that I want to mention about the, the sort of fan footage of it all, and I don't know if this was a tongue-in-cheek reference to other horror movies, but around the time that they're going into the third attic of the house, Luis has a line where he's like, how many fucking attics are in this place? And I right? just really appreciated that. there was just everything exactly. is in the scary yeah. attic all the time. <laughs>
1: You can you can flaunt every rule of the universe if you have a character saying why is this happening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just flout, uh, uh, yeah, flout. That was the word I was. Yeah, for. not you, flaunt. Can, you can flout flaunt the
0: flout all the rules. And in terms of the attention and scariness of it, it felt a little bit hamfisted. The fact that they only ever did any investigation during the nighttime, it was like when Deborah's missing. Obviously, find her when she's like run outside in the windows open you want to look for this person who's missing but when they're crawling around in the attic it's the middle of the night and no lights are on I was like fucking wait until it's daytime is safety it's, folks
2: it's so fucking convenient how the only flashlight they have happens to be attached to the camera Louise all you got. go first Louise you take the camera <laughs> Louise yeah. you go first to, you know it's like he was such there a are no, are there no flashlights in Virginia huh he was yeah, such no. a single
1: one he was such a pushover too he's like Louise you go first no I don't want to you do it okay <laughs> okay I will
2: Luis, right. it's like, what do I yourself, have to man. go first? You're the one with the camera. No, you take it. Yeah. It's like, uh, this is your,
0: it, it, it seemed like it was her project. It was Mia's like project. She had hired Gavin and Louise to, to film them. Yeah. Just the, the amount of like dark, scary, contrived corners to look through. And, you know, here's a room where, yes, all they have is mannequins and furniture that looks vaguely like humans when sheets are thrown over it. So here's a potential to be scared and nothing really comes of it, or, or shots of the woods at night, which is very frightening. I like the the paintings that Deborah's doing, which has the figure getting closer and closer to, you know, let us know that, oh, they buried Danger Dan out in the woods <laughs> 30 years ago, and now he's coming back.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> also, like, I know th- this was a 2014 movie, but I, I'm i also tired of the found footage trope where, you know, the camera's looking at something that's far off in the distance. You pan over for one second to something else, and you pan back, and the person has moved right next to you. Yeah. Or when you pan away, there's nothing there. Pan back, and bam, there's someone there. Someone's standing you know. there. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm telling you, all these movies go, uh, the they pan, uh, the, all of them, are the pan uh, Michael Myers school, you know? <laughs> every yes. character in every movie goes to that school in these films. Michael Myers pan? school, of
0: sneaking around. Yeah. Her?
1: Her? Her? <laughs> Her? that technique <laughs> well i mean like it be one of the reasons this movie feels like two movies beyond the emotional uh, to like completely not emotional feeling of it is that mm-hmm. they really do put like 90 percent of the plot in like five minutes of the movie mm-hmm. You know, like it's not spread Slow out burn. Like, that, that's yeah. a that's like a, a kind of more you know cinematic or, or narrative critique of this film is that it's I mean risk- I did
2: appreciate it otherwise it would have been like a two hour movie. Totally, like, it totally it'd be like hey, I uh I took out the audio where she was speaking weird. I had it transcribed and it was French and this is what it said. Bam. Yeah. Like a minute thirty. Perfect. That's all you need. Yeah. Hey I found this documentary. Bam. A minute thirty. Great. We have three minutes of like plot development and then two minutes of Professor Professorson. We're good to go. Okay, all we but- need to know is Deborah you know, possessed by snake demon, we're, we're good to go.
1: Maybe, um, maybe a comparison will solidify my point a bit more. And this is not really a fair comparison because I'm going to compare it to the best movie we've done on this podcast. But in its structure, this movie's Ooh, very. Sim- <laughs> in its structure, this movie is very similar to Hereditary in that throughout the movie, we are given to think that our main character is suffering from a pretty debilitating mental illness. Now, in Hereditary, it's not diagnosed or talked about. We're just supposed to infer that as the audience. And it turns out, it you know, whatever we've talked about hereditary. So if you don't know it, here's a spoiler for hereditary. It turns out that at the end of hereditary, it's actually been a supernatural entity all along and it's not her mental mm, health, right. but on a rewatch of hereditary, both interpretations work pretty seamlessly, which is why it's such a fucking great piece of art is that the emotional narrative is just as plausible, as it were, as the literal narrative going on, right? And I think in this movie, the emotional narrative is significantly superior to the literal narrative because the literal narrative is just like, oh, all those things that were happening that you thought were emotional. Look, it's actually just this snake demon kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas, like in Hereditary, all of the you watch it through, and every cult element, every payment element, every supernatural element is there as well throughout the whole film whereas in this movie it's just Mm -hmm. like oh okay so all of those things are just that now you don't you don't have any clue to that really throughout the film right so it's the execution is so different between the two
0: yeah and i wonder if like were i to rewatch this there would be more evident signs and, and things symbols or whatever like i think one of the only early clues we get that there's anything to do with snakes is a shot of deborah in the garden and she's just She's just picking up a snake and, and putting it like to the side as she's gardening, which is like, I guess that is something. I, I don't know what the fauna of Virginia is, but they
1: must have snakes as part of their daily but, life. So and like, fair enough. There's a little bit of that. But like again, compared to Hereditary, th- what this movie didn't have was a character or throwaway lines that are very loosely but very clearly... Indicating things around this folklore, or even this day mm, hard right. dance, right, right, right. <laughs> right. Whereas, like at the very beginning of Hereditary, at the funeral scene, there's a line, like just a brilliant line from Tony Klass, like I don't even know all these people here. Mom didn't have any friends, mm. right? right, right, right. Whereas at the end, when you realize that that's the cult that she was a part of, you're just like, fuck, that is genius. That's just great writing, you know. And should there was we, Should we just talk about hereditary <laughs> yeah. <Venice> this episode? <laughs> there's just no there's no throwaway lines in this movie about any right. of the uh, any of the twist until we get all of the twist. You know what I mean? So there's no foreshadowing really in in a in an intelligent way, I would say.
0: Yeah, the scenes where she's gruesomely sort of peeling off portions of her skin is gross, but it's not you're like, is she shedding her skin as a snake? Like, we're not, we, we have nothing to, I think nothing... you might be onto something. <laughs> but we don't have something that would be able to trick your mind into realizing that before way later when they're like, guess what? Mm-hmm. Snake demon, it was a snake demon, babies. Mm-hmm. So, and that's just like gross. Or you're like, what is going on with this person who, you know, I get, I think that's one of the points where they're like peeling your whole like skin on your arm off. That's not Alzheimer's. That's something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Totally. so it was very spooky i we didn't talk about harris at all the neighbor and so truthfully he was,
2: he was the red hair the yeah, red harris Red yeah yeah nice one
0: so i was a little bit like what was his deal he just knew about de Harden or sorry des jardins <laughs> and his plot he knew that deborah had killed him 30 years ago like what was his whole deal
2: i think yeah he knew that she had killed him and i would assume helped bury him and that's why he was like don't worry about this i'll clean this up right he knew exactly where the body was buried right and so he was just looking out for his friend who murdered someone because you know even though even though you murdered a murderer who is planning to murder your daughter you are still a murderer right in the eyes of the law and harris was like Got your ba- back, Big D, you know? Yeah, Right or die. Deborah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that, that was it. And I think the reason why Harris was so cold towards the documentary crew and Mia was because he was like, they're getting awfully close to figuring out that mm-hmm. there's a dead body in Deborah's backyard. And I would have
1: got you know. away with it if it wasn't for these yeah. meddling PhD students.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Real so I, I, think, <laughs> I think, yeah, at the end of the day, he was like, you think he's a villain, whatever, but in the end, it was just like, yeah, he knew all along, and he's just protecting his friend, and that's really it.
0: And his way to handle that was to get plastered and shoot out all the windows in their van, and just like scare scream him, scream and right? yell, and scare him away. Yeah, okay. And Harris, you know, there's better ways. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, there's better ways. And then, like, I guess there was very minor themes of 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 euthanasia as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm, right. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty hard to watch and pretty heartbreaking, but right yeah that's why it was just in there and it didn't work out and harris became just a plot device yeah the caves the caves
0: which is which is yeah he's just a little bit of a go here on the map in the next video game but yeah that that brings me to the supernatural point of it because like the snake abilities aside the like mouth when she opens her mouth really wide and she's possessed i don't i don't know the the rule of demons i feel like this is because demons territory but the fact that she can like skin a merink on top of the oven in that one moment or the tv comes flying off the room in the hotel room to protect her it's like oh this demon isn't just snake but also telekinetic yeah <laughs> or has mental powers the force probably
1: totally <laughs> yeah i mean uh see every other demon movie we've done for that <laughs> analysis <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just check my notes. It says here because demons. Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good T-shirt. I mean, you know, all of that t-shirt. shit is just so that the tension and suspense remains maximal until the movie's over. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. What well, I also thought, ahead. and I mean, we've kind of talked about all this, and like the characters are pretty boring most of the time. But I did. Did either of you get the vibe that Sarah had had a previous relationship with that cop, uh, or yes, at least yep. like a, or at least a tryst? you know mm-hmm. at some point and there was yeah like that, linda linda that the cop was there you know i don't know what that served in the movie but it was just there it's like okay <laughs> it was
0: yeah it was a weird little piece of character development where she I, don't know, I guess was able to convince the police officer to come with her to the mines even though deborah was had taken a child to the mines, so it's like that should be enough reason you don't need more to go mm-hmm. you know rescue someone but i i did notice that in this movie aside from the previous relationship they have that the only person who dies in this movie except for de Hardan 30 years ago is linda the cop like none mm-hmm. of the documentary crew die mia doesn't die sarah deborah logan doesn't even die like nobody like, actually dies in this horror movie except for the police officer who like maybe they added that relationship to give it more stakes mm-hmm. but I was just like, "Oh, that's or, that's something you don't see very often."
1: To give it more more snakes. snakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Okay, well, you know what? Let's uh, let's. I want. I have a question that might tie it into our theme. Did did this movie in any way make you more scared of snakes, or scared of snakes at all, or what's your what's your feeling about snakes? I wasn't scared of snakes before. I'm I'm still not really that scared
2: of snakes.
0: I am fascinated by snakes. I, I wouldn't say it's a fear. I have also not lived anywhere where s- an encounter with a snake in the wild could be very likely. Mm-hmm. There was one time when I was walking home from work that I saw a garter snake around where I lived, but I never really had a run in. Even when I lived in Australia and they're just like full of venomous snakes, they had never scared me. I was never afraid of snakes. But I know that you mentioned, Luke, that snakes are one of your
1: sort of big phobias not mm. big phobias but like they make you uncomfortable so yeah like, i'd love to hear it, I think more about that the better word would be unsettled i see pictures of people like with a big snake around them like you know like oh look at this i got this huge ass orange and white snake and i'm just like fuck that you know like and it's not fear but it's to me snakes are and this is not a novel insight but snakes are nature's most uncanny animal i think Mm-hmm. Like to me, uh, in snakes, the Bible, he
0: was a real sneaky character. Snakes
1: are, well, yeah. I mean, there's obviously all the metaphors around them, but I think that stems from the fact that to me, mm-hmm. like, I look at alligators or I look at any mammal, really, in birds, and I'm like, I kind of get it. You know, legs, appendages. Still <laughs> there. What it's do you want? There. Yeah. You look at a snake, and you're just like, nothing is like this. There's just nothing else, really, in nature that's like this, that moves like this. <laughs> what about a rope? Oh, sorry. (laughs) yeah i guess a rope what a a rope (laughs) just enough to hang myself and so i just like they're like ipso facto the uncanny animal so they make me feel similarly to when you see like a a, an android that is close to being human but not quite you know it's just Sure, sure there's just something off about them that i don't trust i don't fucking trust snakes that's what it is sure
0: yeah i mean that's and that's a primal thing too right there's mm. studies where it's done where it's like you can see a snake in a bunch of flowers or something and you spot that like immediately they've done t- yeah. eye tracking things where it's like the eye will go right to danger the will robinson uh, danger so many times as it's such a primal thing but uh maybe maybe i'm on the other side of this coin luke where mm. my uncanny animal is the spider and maybe mm. it's like you like snakes have not enough limbs and for me, spiders, it's too, too many limbs. Like, yeah, too many limbs. It's like two to four, that's, that's, we're, we stop there. Two to four, that's, that's perfect amount of limbs. Anymore is, what are you doing? What are you doing with all those legs? I
2: don't trust you. Get out of here. Snakes, get a couple legs in there. Fucking, what are you, better than me? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Bible definitely didn't do any favors for the snakes. Really didn't. It's did like not, the first no. villain, right?
0: Yeah. Although, isn't the Bible story where like the snake. Sorry, it was a serpent.
2: Yeah. My the... mistake.
0: The snake like gets Eve to eat the apple, or whatever, and then God's punishment is like, oh, forevermore you'll have to crawl on your belly. But in all those pictures, the snake is already yeah, like limbless. So it's like you're uh, not maybe, punishing me, God.
2: Maybe the snake before, but but before God's punishment, the snake was like uh, Tigger from uh, Winnie the Pooh, and just like around. oh, yeah. could bounce around.
0: Yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. yeah I you know can... what?
1: I think Billy maybe. For the first time ever, you have caught the Bible out in a logical inconsistency. Oh boy! Oh boy! I'm breaking wide open, boys! I think boys. you finally did it, Billy. I think for the first time ever, one person did that. We're taking it. We're taking him down today. Let's go. Let's go.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Snakes. Snakes have never been a, a big phobia for me, and I, or not even a unsettling for me. It's just I know that in the scale of that was mostly unintentional, but uh, along the spectrum of like pets to have reptiles and snakes, never really was interested in having them as a pet. And I know that mm-hmm. there's people who have pet snakes and attribute them personalities and they love them as just as much as I love my cats, but it's not for me. Yeah, not yeah. for me. Not for me. Well, I'm just trying to be mindful of the time. I have to edit all of this before it comes out. So, do we have any final thoughts about the taking of this movie?
1: No, I'll do it. I'll do it in my rating.
2: Okay. Do you think Deborah Logan had the upper hand on Danger Dan? Because uh, <laughs> it's my favorite new bit. Because <laughs> uh, he had Lou Gehrig's disease, or Maybe. because like who would suspect you know lovely old Deborah Logan to kill you with a uh, like a garden garden trowel? Yeah, in the neck.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That reminds me of, so there's, uh, I, I think, a pretty underrated movie from 2009 called The International with Clive Owen and Naomi Watts. And there's a, there's a line in that movie where a couple of the protagonists are talking about someone they're tra- tracking who is a hitman because they're trying to find out who his employer is, whatever. And they have an airport camera. And one of the characters says, man, he doesn't look like much, hey? And then Clive Owen says, I think that's the idea, you know? Mm, uh, mm. So you your guard is down. Yeah, the more afraid. beware of the Deborah Logans yeah, of the
2: world, yeah, huh? Yeah. You never know when you're gonna
0: well stab, and especially yeah, maybe the fact that Luke Gehrig's disease is—I don't really know what the symptoms are, but I imagine it's—I think it's some kind of degenerative, yeah, thing. But also, we 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 can't count out like Mama Bear strength, you know, like she is De- Deborah's daughter is threatened by this man, yeah. and like there's stories where moms have done incredible feats to protect their children,
1: and so. Well, and there's also the ex- the extended metaphor of uh, poison being the women woman's weapon, right? It's true. Like, that's just uh, a trope as well. It's hard to overpower a full grown man, so you poison him. So the the woman's way, as it has been in a little bit misogynistically, has been surreptitious, or in this film, serpentitious.
0: <laughs> mm, or if it's if it's mixed in with a,
1: a maple sap thing, it's syrupitious. Oh. <laughs> I'm not surreptitious, but I am a little titious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: Alex, any final thoughts? You already no, asked about Luke's here. You good. I'm I'm good too. So yeah, why don't we uh why don't we rate this thing? Uh no, scariest part. Yeah, we got scariest part of the movie. Luke, how do you go? I
1: honestly and we didn't talk about it much because it's only in the movie a little bit, but like this movie is fundamentally still in culture because of the ending scene. Or the climactic yeah. ending scene, which is pretty mind-blowing and pretty incredible and you just don't see it coming because nothing else in the movie has been like it and Mm -hmm. honestly more broadly about found footage that's one of the things i love about found footage is how it can really mess with your sense of reality when you're seeing something Mm. that is otherwise like supposed to be just a an actual footage of the world that's why i kind of like the vhs films even though those the stories themselves are so (laughs) stupid like when you see Ratmall, you're like, that's not right. You know, like, like what is going they, on? It's yeah. it's uncanny. And uncanny to me is a very highbrow fear. I think it's an intelligent mm-hmm. fear is uncanniness. And so, yeah, the 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 deep throat is the scariest part of this movie, I think. <laughs> yeah.
3: Which
0: when I had seen that still frame around and and for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, Deborah basically can unhinge her hydraulic like a snake and she's swallowing this child she's taken from the hospital to try to consume it, I guess, to fulfill the ritual at long last. I thought it was the documentarian. Like, I didn't know that there was this other child character who was part of the movie. like you know, It felt kind of out of the blue where it's like, oh, the people that we've seen at the start are the people we're going to see at the end. And then in the third act, they're like, introducing Kara, the cancer girl. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. So we just have a new character to deal with now. That's right. But, you know, it turns she gets out she's taken twice. Mm. She gets taken twice. More like the taken of Kara's mm-hmm. last
1: name. Mm-hmm. Well, Deborah Logan has a particular set of skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Throat goat. Throat My,
0: goat. um... <laughs> My scariest part of the movie was, yeah, I think just that one, that still frame of her eating the child is really very, very freaky. But also when they're in the attic and they try to, like, hereditary, speaking of hereditary, they try to burn this bundle of bones they find in the attic. I was like, oh, no, hereditary hasn't come out yet. You don't, you're going to be in trouble if you try to burn this in this house. But when they open it and it's just got all the snakes, like, come pouring out, that was a jumpy scare. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, as a, as a one brief aside before we get to Alex's scariest part of the movie, all of the women in this movie had ah sounds at the last name. It was like Deborah, Sarah, Mia, yeah. even the cop Linda, and the little girl Kara. And so I was like, okay, we uh, we were picking from one rhyme book of names, I guess, <laughs> for this film. One rhyme book. <laughs> one rhyme book. Alex, Juan, scariest part of this movie.
2: Yeah, it's the the Deborah snake throat eating of Kara. That's
0: It's the only one. It was def- yeah. it
2: was the most unexpected thing as someone that hasn't seen that still and also hasn't seen this movie and hasn't heard about that ending. Mm, so it was a full like,
0: surprise. There's a lot
2: of jump scares. There's a lot of your typical found footage stuff. This was unexpected and shocking and gross and very what the fuck is happening. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. All righty then. So let's rate this mm. film.
1: What are we going to rate it out of Luke? We're going to rate it out of five of Jill Larson's wrinkly butts. <laughs> she
0: wasn't afraid to strip down and get naked. No, I
1: was. I, was, I admire that in, an, in a performer, you know. Yeah. F- for that kind of uh, commitment to the craft. This movie is kind of in, self-contained. is kind of straight down the middle horror, and I don't mind that. So it's it's a passing grade. But this movie is like a good example of why i love fiction so much in that fiction you can get so much more out of fiction than any individual person or group of people put into the fiction so like i don't know how intentional this movie is trying to get at the themes that it evokes in my mind when i watch it but in, in the point is it doesn't really matter because the fact that i can think about the tragedy of alzheimers and how interesting folklore is and how I enjoyed the fact that there were characters who mouthed some of my thoughts going on, like there's just a dozen of these um things in the there movie, are dozens of us, yeah, that are better than the movie. you know what I mean there's elements of this movie that are so much better than the movie and that is actually why one of the reasons I love fiction so much is that you can read like I don't think the great Gatsby is that really true yeah <laughs> it's it is really true, honestly, like it's it's It gets to why I did that other podcast, you know. I don't think The Great Gatsby is that good of a book, but there's a lot to pull from it that's interesting, (laughs) you know. And uh, I appreciated that. So I'm going to give this movie, unsurprisingly, three wrinkly butts out of five.
0: Three whole butts out of five. All right. I, yeah, I think it was effective. I'm glad I kind of watched the whole story around it after seeing the the still. It affected me in a way I did not expect, which is something... uh, you know good movies can do and so that i think that earns it some points for being a oh here's a found footage horror movie you're like okay well i i guess i can turn off my storytelling (laughs) part of my brain because it's going to be pretty easy yeah um but this one did manage to surprise me so i think i'll i'm a 3.5 wrinkly butts nice
2: out of 5 3.5 solid mr alex wan uh i overall enjoyed it it's a found footage movie it's a horror movie but (laughs) two strikes and you're out (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But the emotional first third or half of it was really quite powerful actually. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's what I enjoyed about this movie was the human element of it even though it kind of got went off the rails and you know there's ham-fisted folklore and all that stuff and you know a professor professor sin like classic like professor professor sin just having the base of this movie be about a family that's suffering from Alzheimer's was really quite good and oddly emotional Mm -hmm. and yeah that snake deborah eating kerosene was like crazy and it paid off really well from from like all the build-up Mm -hmm. so yeah overall not too bad of a movie i will give it three wrinkly butts out of five
0: awesome awesome all right well then there's just one more section before we talk about what movie we're gonna watch next week and that is the something to cheer section so i'll let you lead it off luke mason
1: Mine is kind of a broad theme, but I just I love the month of May. Yes, and May in Nelson, it's just so gorgeous here right now. Like our bat, it's so, it's sunny. The trees are all blooming. The blossoms are out. We have the tulips blossoming in the backyard and tulips. I could have sworn it was three. Uh, winter in Nelson can be a little heavier than other places because we're in the mountains, so we get so much less sunlight mm-hmm. than than other places in the winter. Like. There was a day in December where the sun set behind the mountain at one forty-two p.m. not to come back out again, you know, and it's just like real
0: real 30 days a night
1: situation. Yeah, <laughs> when when that shit happens, it's easier to feel not sad or depressed, but just a little bit less energetic, you know, and I'm feeling the enthusiasm of nature again. And so I'm cheering that. I love that.
0: I love, yeah, the the sort of, it's cliche to say, but you do feel revitalized
1: when mm-hmm. spring comes around. Yeah. But, you know. There's a great, metaphor here somewhere. Know. But what is a metaphor? <laughs> Nothing. What's a meta with you? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: my cheer oh i'm real tempted to use the fact that i got uh i got to serve you up a delicious piece of jill larson movie trivia mm. that's uh that's something <laughs> just so tasty to me but uh no i'm I'm picking the fact that uh since since may and since i finished school i've uh, i've always said like once school is done i'm gonna get crave again uh the streaming service in canada and so I've been watching stuff through that. Uh, and I know I have I have bookmarked uh, the mayor of Easttown on your mm-hmm. recommendation I want to watch. I've been working away with the Yellow Jackets, but we're not sponsored by Crave, by the way. We're not sponsored by anything, but
1: maybe one day. We're yeah, sponsored maybe- by <laughs> Billy's Effort. Sponsored
0: by my effort. That's
1: our sponsor is Billy's effort.
0: (laughs) But my cheer is I watched all of the first season of The Last of Us uh, Mm. only a couple months after the zeitgeist is cooled and it was a very fun show. I had never played the games. Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, totally great. I was loving all of the Alberta cameos. They're like, it's the best part. Check out this place in Boston, Edmonton. Check out this place (laughs) in Wyoming, Canmore. Like it's just so. Yeah fun yeah it was such a fun show to watch and just point at the screen everybody like oh i know where that mountain is i know where that mountain is yeah
1: it's like how (laughs) in the first season of the tv show fargo duluth Mm -hmm. minnesota is actually just memorial drive in calgary (laughs) yeah absolutely i love it oh it's so good it's so good and so
0: yeah the last of us what a good show i was not prepared for the lack of monsters in the, that one, like the, the whole zombie thing seems to really take a backseat in this one, and not in a boring way like The Walking Dead did, but mm-hmm. in a a really effective kind of cool way. So that's my cheer. Alex Wan, what are you cheering?
2: I am going to cheer the new Hot Mulligan album that came out a few days ago, mm-hmm. Why Would I Watch? They're one of my favorite bands, and this album is so good. They're They're just like really fun, they're catchy, but then, you know, all the lyrics are just they're so meaningful and there's a lot to it you know you go from regret of nostalgia to hating your mom for the way she raised you to (laughs) sure drinking too much and being depressed having your pet die and then stuff like body dysmorphia it's like wow the whole gamut it's 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 everything it's incredible it's sad it's emotional it's so catchy i loved it so much i've been listening to on repeat nonstop the since friday hell yeah that's my cheer Nice. Excellent cheer Check it out. Check it out. It's a good album. Why would I watch? That sounds like something you
0: say when we pick movies for this uh, this show sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <it's> so relevant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great pick. Uh, check that out. Alrighty, well then I guess that's it for another week of Nothing to Fear and you know, I'll, I'll put this part in here now before we talk about the movie for next week. We talked off air a little bit and after Phobia Month is over, after May is over, we're going to take a little bit of a summer hiatus, summer break, just to kind of recharge the batteries on the old horror movie podcast theme, kind of talk about. What we're gonna do? Maybe have a little bit of a format shift. We don't know. We're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a creative juices break uh, over the summer and see what's up. But we we're still gonna do two more episodes to finish off the top five phobia month, and I'm excited we'll to to see it to the end here, and then uh, and then see what happens next. So yeah, I guess you know thanks everyone mm-hmm. for for listening for so long, and Luke and Alex for coming and making this show. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, well I'm sure I'll get more misty eyed in a couple weeks, but uh, for now we got two more phobias to go through the second most common phobia is the acrophobia the fear of heights and so the movie that uh, i've picked for the slate is the 2022 film called fall which by all accounts is a movie where two people climb up something really tall and then have to get down and it's very tricky so uh i thought it was we're the one to-
2: with richard Gere. uh was it fall in new york Oh, oh no yeah. that's autumn and new york what about right. michael douglas falling down yeah falling down <laughs> watch whatever you want you know what
0: we're not a horror movie podcast anymore you can watch whatever you want <laughs> but yeah we'll we'll do that and uh we'll say adios and goodbye and, and see you next week luke say goodbye to
1: adios and goodbye
0: alex your turn have a good one everyone have see a good you one, next everyone week. see you next week and remember folks they're just movies there's nothing to fear Thanks so much for listening to Nothing to Fear. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you like what you heard, we'd love it if you left us a rating or a review wherever you got this podcast. Ratings and reviews are the simplest way to help our podcast grow and have people find out about us. You can also tell your friends about us. That would really help. Show them an episode. See if they like it you can follow us on social media. The only game in town this these days is Instagram. that's at nothing to fear podcast. and if you have a little bit of money in your budget and you'd like to splash that around, you can go to patreon.com nothing to fear and support us there. We have some content that goes up sporadically. We're all busy, but any amount helps and you can get through the doors for as little as one dollar a month. You can also listen to what the other two members of Nothing to Fear are up to. Luke does his podcasts, Really True Fiction and Liberal Soul. You can find those wherever you found this one. He also does his radio show, Full Spectrum Cinema, which I keep bugging him to make a podcast. So maybe one day he will. Otherwise, you can tune in to Kooten Co-op Radio. Just Google it. Alex, of course, is world renowned for his One Song a Day playlist on Instagram. On Instagram, go to One Song a Day. Check out what he's doing. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.